0: Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages, It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is itsamusicthing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at it'samusicthing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show First and foremost, who am I talking to today?
1: My name is Madison Lahoey, and I'm an audio. I say tech usually, um, based in Winnipeg.
0: I'm never sure, audio tech, audio engineer, audio sound person. I so I just go with like you, you do sound, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do sound. Yeah, um, Correct. I don't know, I usually. I usually say tech because I think it like encompasses every aspect of what I do because mm-hmm. I'm not always engineering necessarily. Um, so that's usually my go-to.
0: And the way I start off every every kind of podcast, every episode, is with the same question. Um, what is your first memory of music, like hearing music, outside of like a nursery rhyme or a lullaby, that really captured your attention when you were a child?
1: Um, I think... Like, the first show I ever remember going to, the first live concert, I don't even remember how old I was. i maybe, maybe like seven or eight, and my parents took me to see the Rankin family in Brandon. Nice. (laughs) And uh, it's like my very first memory of any live show is the the lights came on and they were backlit, so it was just their silhouettes on the stage, and my mom still tells the story, but... I just turned to her and I said, why did we pay for this? They're not even there. They're not real. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I didn't think they were real. And then they started singing. And I don't know, I guess I obviously they were real and it was just a neat experience. And that's my very first memory of any sort of music outside of nursery rhymes or something like that.
0: Nice. So so growing up, I mean, your parents obviously took you to to your first concert growing hmm. up did you grow up in a very musical household was like there was there always music kind of in the background or do your parents play
1: um my mom actually plays guitar and sings she's done a few weddings and stuff not professional like not she's not a professional or anything like that um, but she always had a guitar around and we she made it sure we took piano lessons um, there's always music playing in the house usually Um throughout the day when I was growing up
0: and so so growing up you said you started or you played piano when did you start playing piano
1: Uh, I started I was pretty young I want to say like grade three or four maybe and I played like I took lessons until I think grade eight and then I I stopped (laughs) <laughs> that th- I was given. I had to. I had to until grade eight, and then once I got to high school, I was given the choice whether I wanted to continue, and I said no.
0: <laughs> do Do you ever regret not continuing on?
1: Ah, uh, a little bit. Can like, Can you still play? Kind of. I've actually. I tried to start again during this quarantine. Um, I'm very slow at reading music, but I've tried to kind of get back into that. Mm-hmm. But. That's yeah, I,
0: about it. I, I had to, um, during the quarantine, when we were actually allowed to do things, uh, <laughs> I, I was shooting, I was photographing uh, Chantel Kraviasik. And before oh, okay. before she had shown up, showed up, Mark, the sound guy at the Park Theater, was like, yeah, we just need to do a quick sound check of the piano. He's like, do you want to, can you just like tap on the keys? And I used to play organ way, okay. way back, kind of the same thing as you. It's like, I was little until yeah probably about grade eight or nine and then i quit because i was like fuck this i don't want to do this anymore it it i I hate practicing so i quit but all these years later the only thing i can kind of play i can still remember my c scale and that's about where that enter that that's where that finishes so i played a c scale doing a sound check and you know i couldn't imagine going back to to trying to relearn it
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I can play like if someone needs to sound check a piano, I can play like one or two songs and then like, don't ask me to do any more. Yeah.
0: And so after you quit piano, did you, did you pick up any other kind of instruments like guitar or anything after that? Or was that kind of it for your, for playing music?
1: Uh, That was pretty much it. I picked up guitar a little bit in like when I was in university Mm -hmm. and just kind of tried to learn to play for myself and I did that for maybe two years and then that kind of stopped as well so
0: and so when you're when you're growing up um going to your first concert uh the Rankin family other than the the kind of initial um shot of like them opening and then like being all silhouetted did you go to other shows after that like, did you start going to, to live music more and more?
1: Um, it was harder growing up because I, I grew up on a farm um, out by Riding Mountain, actually. So, okay. Brandon was like the closest that you could get for live music. Mm-hmm. Um, the first like big concert that I went to was actually Avril Lavigne at the MTS Center. And I think I got those tickets for my birthday. Nice. When I was 12 or 13, maybe. Um, And that blew me away. That was amazing. What
0: what year would that have been?
1: Oh, that is a good question. Um, It was her second album. And I think the, like the arena was still quite, like the MTS Center was still quite new at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never been to any shows at the old arena. So maybe like, I don't know, 2000 five okay. maybe
0: uh D- dr google no told earlier me.
1: than that yeah
0: and no, so it would have been earlier than what what do you remember the mo- most vividly from that show were you like sitting in seats or did you have floor seats
1: uh we were in seats we were i think in the 300 section like um right across from the stage mm-hmm. so actually right behind front of house just higher up um i just remember Thinking like I couldn't believe that she that I was in the same building as her like that blew my mind. Um, That's like the biggest thing that I remember, and I remember just like focusing so much on like watching her because I was like, soon this is just going to be a memory, and like I want to really focus and take in like everything that I can right now. Mm -hmm. So that's I guess my biggest memory of that show.
0: And so then that was uh, you say you're about twelve ish.
1: Yeah, I, I think so.
0: <laughs> and did you, so going through, uh, through high school, was there every kind of other opportunities to get into Brandon or Winnipeg to see live music? Like after you see something on that big of a scale, I'm sure did, did it click to you a little bit more where you're like, I I've got to go to more of these.
1: I, it did. I just, I mean, I was so far away from everything mm-hmm. that Honestly, I don't, I don't even know what my next concert after that would have been. I knew I wanted to go to more. Um, but I, I remember we went to a few more shows in Brandon. I think I never went. I remember Nickelback coming to Brandon, actually, and that was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. That was such a big deal at the time. Um, uh, I think my mom took me to see Jan Arden. Nice. Um, and then we'd go to see um, the Huron Carol, I remember as well. Uh, and, and I think we went to see like Lord of the Dance or River Dance or something mm-hmm. when that came through, but like I don't actually remember what my next big concert would have been. Probably not till I moved to Winnipeg to go to university.
0: So then, yeah. So that segues. Thank you for segueing me very nicely into that. Uh, so uh, then, you you moved to Winnipeg to go to university. What did you come to Winnipeg to go to school for?
1: So I actually took. Um, kinesiology for a year at U of W. Okay. That was my first year away from home.
0: And what was it like and that first year being, I, I don't want to say like the big city cause it's not like you're moving to New York or anything, but <laughs> coming from like riding mountain into, into Winnipeg and living here, was it a big adjustment for you at the time?
1: It, it was like, I know you like Winnipeg's not a big city, but to me it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I had, I had fun my first year. I was living with my sister and another one of her girlfriends and yeah, going to school and obviously I didn't stick with kinesiology, but (laughs) uh, I don't know. I had a great first year. Um, I knew after the first year that I didn't want to do that anymore. So um, much to my parents dismay, I dropped out of university. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: that first year being in Winnipeg, did you, is that? Did you start going to more shows? Did you start kind of checking out the the, the live music scene here?
1: I did, yeah, and it was like not just arena shows, but mm-hmm. lots of like I had never been in a place where I could go to a show every night at like a small venue. I thought that was amazing. Um, so I ended up actually taking a year off after I dropped out of university and knew I wanted to be in that seen somehow. I didn't mm-hmm. really know how yet. So I ended up working for Ticketmaster actually for full time for a year at the call center. And during that time just would go to shows, like a lot of shows. Um, and I think it was actually a, <laughs> a KISS show at the MTS center that I was just like, I need, I want to be a part of making this happen, like mm-hmm. putting this show on. And I just remember looking at front of house at those, all the gear down there being like, how do you learn how to do that? Like what, there's gotta be somewhere that teaches you how to do that. Cause at that point I had, I had no idea. <laughs>
0: and w- would you say working at Ticketmaster kind of helped you in that direction? Like being able to go to shows and did it also form your opinion of like, you you don't wanna be an office person?
1: yeah i knew i definitely didn't want to be an office person um i don't know it just gave me like that year just gave me like the money and freedom to try new things like i didn't even that obviously i didn't even know this job existed when i was in high school or when i graduated high school so yeah that year was kind of just spent exploring different options different career options
0: and so after that kiss show when you kind of we're looking at the front of house people. How did you, is that when that you said that's when you kind of decided you want to be part of the kind of the, the machine that makes a live event go, how did you start to kind of tiptoe into that, that world?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I was just like, that guy has the best seat in the whole arena. Like I want to <laughs> sit there. Like I want that's where I want to sit for the shows. Um, I started looking into places that might teach you how to do this because I was completely green. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I found a school in Winnipeg actually, uh, Mid-Ocean School of Media Arts, and I ended up taking two evening courses there just to see if I even liked it, if I was any good at it. so I continued working full time, did my two evening courses, really loved them, and decided that's what I wanted to do full time. So I tried to find a school that would teach teach a broader course because Mid mm-hmm. Ocean was a lot of studio stuff. Oh, okay. And um, and I wanted to be more on the live side of things. So I ended up doing some research and found a school in Mississauga, Ontario called Metalworks, and. Yeah, my parents packed me up and moved me out there the next year to learn how to do live sound.
0: <laughs> so, so when how, how did that conversation go with your parents? Because you you had dropped out of university, which I mean mm-hmm. it is is fine. They probably didn't love it because like if you're going to be a kinesiologist, it's a it's you know you're going to be working. You're probably going to be making a good amount of money. Um, you drop out because you know you have got to find yourself. That's what many of us do. You have to figure out what you want to do. Have your kind of year off. How how was that conversation about saying, I want to go, you know, to move to Ontario and learn how to do live music. <laughs>
1: uh, you know what my I think, my dad was pretty supportive. My mom I think was, very like, well we'll support you, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about this. Um, but you know what they got on board. I I, I first I told them. I wanted to go to school in Florida. Um, (laughs) I found a school called Full Sail. And I was like, this school is great. This is like they teach all this live audio stuff and live production. And it was insanely, insanely expensive, Mm -hmm. first of all, and in Florida. And my mom was like, well, you know what? I could get on board. Maybe if you find somewhere in Canada, then maybe we could like you would at least be in the same country. Um, so then I started doing more research, and then I found Metalworks. And I think, you know, the fact that I was doing that and not going to Florida was—they're like, okay, like we that we can make this work. Yeah, it's, we it's, can it's, get behind this. It's us. a
0: little more of a cushion. It's like you're not moving, you know, however many thousands of kilometers south and into the states, and really hard to get to. You're just moving to Ontario. That's we can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> and so how yeah, they how were happy about that.
0: How long was that course in in Mississauga, right?
1: Yeah, it was uh 2 years, uh 3 semesters, so it was full like all year round. So it was two solid years of school with like no summer break or anything like oh, that. Okay. Um it was uh, the program I did was 1 year of live sound and the second year was all studio sound. Oh, which... Okay,
0: so you got kind of kind of both worlds yeah. like a lot of people don't really realize I don't think is you know there's a big difference from doing live sound to being like a, a studio engineer
1: yeah there is a big difference <laughs> um I almost dropped out again actually because I knew after my first year I was like I love this I love live sound I don't want to spend another year doing studio mm-hmm. and I think I don't know my mom was like can you please just finish like just <laughs> finish <laughs> um like, in, in a nice way. But she's like, you're already there, like, you should just finish it. So I finished it and still ended up doing live sound, so.
0: And and what do you think drew you more to live sound than kind of doing uh, studio engineering?
1: Uh, I Me, personally, I don't have the patience for the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, like... Uh, <laughs> I can't listen to the same drum track for like three days and pick it apart. And I don't know. I just, I don't have the patience for that. I don't like listening to the same thing over and over and over. It makes me crazy. So I don't know. I love the environment of live too. I like, I like the rush. I like the energy. And I just knew that was more, more what I wanted to be a part of.
0: Cause you can't really be complacent when you're doing live sound.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. I like the fact that, like, to me, when I started, I I wanted to tour. I thought that was like the coolest thing. And I thought if I could somehow end up on a tour bus at some point in my life, that would be great. Like, get paid to travel and be a part of this show. I don't know. That was kind of my big goal.
0: And so when you were in Mississauga, were you also, did you continue to go to live music, I'm assuming? Or was there a lot Sorry. around there? Like, when you when you moved to Mississauga, was there a lot of live music still happening? Like, I, I don't think anything big is going to Toronto, obviously, but, like, smaller <laughs> yeah. shows?
1: Uh, yeah, there were a lot. Um, I ended up doing a lot of volunteering as well. Like, the school was pretty good at making sure you were part of shows that were going on, whether it was, like, at the campus pub or whatever, or um, they were really heavy at, like, making sure we volunteered at Canadian Music Week. That was oh, okay. a that was a big part of it. Um, and part of the course actually during the summer was like festivals that were being put on in Mississauga, like a blues fest or a jazz fest. Um, part of the course requirement was to be there and help with load-ins and load-outs so you could see that side of it because lots of us are just like, oh, this is sweet. You like show up, you mix a show, you go home. Yeah. And it's like that's a very small part of the job. So and w-
0: when you got your first chance to do that, was that was that a big eye opening experience to see just what it is?
1: Oh yeah. I'll never forget the first like festival that I loaded out as <laughs> as a student. And we were there till like three in the morning, you know, wrapping cables and waiting for this truck so we could load a truck. And I was just like, is this what it's like all the time? <laughs> like wow, like this is, this is a lot, but I liked it. I I loved it. I, (laughs) I was
0: going to say it obviously didn't turn you off from not wanting to do it.
1: No, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you remember the first, um, job that you had where you actually got to do and mix an artist on stage?
1: that I got paid for uh.
0: <laughs> say the first volunteer one. Cause I mean that, I mean, even though you're volunteering, there's still pressure on you to make this sound good.
1: Yeah. Um, like I volunteered, I was volunteering as a stage hand for sure before I ever got, before anyone would let me mix anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few festivals at school where they would, you know, teacher professors mixing, they step aside and they're like, "Okay, hey, you can, they have it in a good spot already. They're like, Hey, you can take over and like try some things. Yeah. Um, But the first, like the first place I ever mixed, I don't know. I think it was probably at like a campus pub, definitely not getting paid. Um, It was just like students that were in the program in a performing program. They would kind of have their showcase night and we would, like the students that were in the production side of it would get to mix and do lighting and all that stuff. So yeah, that was probably the first, (laughs) first experience.
0: And what was the first one you got paid to do?
1: I think the first one I got paid to do was, it was a, it was so weird. Actually. It was a electronic musical. It was in Toronto. Um, There were actually no, I don't even think the actors had mics. It was mostly like me hitting play, but there was a sound desk and I don't know. I got to hit play on all the songs and man, what else? There were a few like sound effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is cool. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm doing a play in Toronto and it's, super indie and I'm so cool and (laughs) it was not like it was not
0: (laughs) but it was a paid gig right
1: but it was paid yeah
0: that's I mean at the end of the day that's most of anybody that works in the arts that's all you can ask for is you're getting paid cool let's let's keep making this happen
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's oh man that's funny I haven't thought about that show in a long time (laughs) (laughs)
0: so how how and also I guess when you when you're doing that show are you learning more about like what like lighting techs do and like the other production staff, like the different facets of um, putting on a live event?
1: Uh, kind of, I would maybe not so much with that one, mm-hmm. but um, part of the course uh, or part of, part of my program that I was in at metalworks, I actually did take a lighting course. That was part of it. Um, so I did learn a bit about lighting And I thought it was fun, but the course was more like, or the program, sorry, was more heavily based in audio. Mm -hmm. So I, all my classes were audio with like one lighting class thrown in there. Um, So I kind of knew a little bit about lighting, but it wasn't until I started actually working and doing shows that I learned how everything has to work together. Yeah.
0: Because you're 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 all one big team trying to make this thing look and sound good.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So how and so you completed the course? Obviously, you 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 listened to your mom and you finished
1: it. (laughs) I did. I did finish it. Yes.
0: And so how long did you stick around Ontario for after you had finished uh, your your course?
1: Uh, Not long, actually. I had kind of become like a little bit homesick. I guess Mm -hmm. I knew at that point that I did want to move back to Winnipeg before I was even done. Um, so I started kind of mentioning this to teachers. And they were like, are you, are you serious? Like you're, in, you're, like, you're in Toronto. You're going to move back to Winnipeg. And at that point, I was just like, yes, I, I want to go back. Um, and one teacher said, OK, well, if you're going to move back to Winnipeg, I've worked with this company there. You should, that's where you should go work. Um, and they kind of put me in touch with um, someone from Sound Art, and I ended up getting a job there before I even moved back, which nice. was which was great. Yeah.
0: I mean, also, and and I've said this to to April, my girlfriend. Um, we were at a show. I won't say where it was or who who was playing, um, but it was during Juno Week, and this band from Toronto was playing, and there's a certain the people in the audience, the people in the band were wonderful, but there's certain people in, in the audience you could see were people like industry people from Toronto and they're very bougie and kind of they're kind of dicks. <laughs> did, did did you did you feel that way about like maybe not the Toronto scene, but like it, it it's a really hard bubble to pop being, you know, not from Toronto and not necessarily in the cool kids club.
1: Uh, I think, honestly, I think the hardest thing, well, maybe not the hardest thing, but the most interesting thing that I've realized since moving back is I feel like if I had stayed in Toronto, I think I wouldn't be, well, I mean, I obviously wouldn't be where I am today, but like career-wise, I think it was kind of like Big Fish Little Pond situation, mm-hmm. where it's a lot easier to get bigger gigs here because there aren't as many Text to do that, whereas in Toronto, so many people are fighting for these shows, yeah, and to get experience, it's a lot harder to get those bigger gigs faster. Which I think I was able to do here, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that you, helped a lot. And especially actually. if you
0: don't know the right people,
1: yeah, because yeah. like our,
0: our our communities, whether it's like <laughs> photographers, sound people, um, uh, lighting people, are like the industry is very small. Like it's, it's everybody kind of, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's one degree of separation in many cases. Like I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of, um, those crews travel with different artists all year round.
1: Yeah. It's, oh man, it's so tiny and it's been interesting too, to see, like, I've made a lot of friends also just from working shows, say at the Burt and mm-hmm. being a house person there, um, you kind of see texts come through with different bands and they're the same texts. So you kind of make friendships that way. And I've actually ended up being able to get some work that way. Cause they're just like, Oh, you're the, like, I've met you. I've talked to you. We're friends now. Cause you're always at this place when I come through Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been kind of neat too.
0: So I know a lot, a lot of people asked, <clears throat> have asked me this about photography and I went to school for it. Would you say, Go, what would you say would uh is is better to do? Go to school and learn how to do like audio engineering, teching, or just working in the industry and working your way up and learning how to do it kind of hands on?
1: Uh, I I don't really think there's one right way to do it. Um, I chose to go to school because I literally knew nothing about Mm -hmm. it, I just knew I was it was something that interested me, but I needed. I needed more of a foundation, like I, but I've also known people that have done, you know, audio for their school plays in high school, which we didn't really have that (laughs) at my school. So like there are people that have just started getting into it on their own and started working in bars. And honestly, I've learned way more on the job than I ever did in school. Mm -hmm. I just, I needed school for myself for a foundation and, like knowing what I was getting myself into, but, um, I've learned way more (laughs) working than I ever did in school.
0: And so you move, you move back to Winnipeg, uh, start with sound art. What was it like, um, starting there? And did, did you know anybody that worked within sound art or were you going in completely like completely green, completely new, not really knowing anyone?
1: Um, I actually knew, I knew Mikey before I started uh, at Sound Art, and then I think, yeah, I knew him, he actually, he came to Toronto when I was, I think he came for Music Week, and I was volunteering at Music Week, and at that point I had applied to Sound Art already, and I don't know, through weird Winnipeg connections, (laughs) someone found out we were both in Toronto, and Someone else at SoundArt said, Oh, this like this girl applied. If you can meet her and see like kind of what she's about b- before we <laughs> yeah. hire her, like that would be cool. So I ended up meeting with Mikey in Toronto before I moved back to Winnipeg and just kind of talking about audio and see if I would be a good fit at SoundArt even. So I knew him before starting and then just kind of the rest fell into place.
0: That that must have been a tough interview. He's a he's a hard ass
1: yeah yeah yeah. really formal and just oh I bet yeah
0: he just you know he probably grilled you on everything and you know you you obviously (laughs) passed
1: (laughs) yeah I guess so as as I'm
0: talking on Mikey's lent um microphones he's given me thank thank you oh nice thanks Mikey thanks (laughs) um so what was it like starting at uh starting at sound art um what, what were some of your first kind of jobs there, kind of right out of the shoot.
1: First jobs, um, prepping gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and
0: uh, With prepping a gig, because I mean, a lot of people might not know what that is. What does okay. that kind of entail?
1: Um, so basically, we get a list of gear that whoever the client is wants to rent. And that goes through all the management stuff. And then... Basically as a person on the shop floor, you get a list of what needs to go out on what day. Mm-hmm. So you kinda of gather all that stuff together, scan it and yeah, put it in a pile in the truck bay ready to load for whenever it has to go.
0: So then you load it up. Do you also go to like the the venue and load it in there as well?
1: I do, yes. Um, yeah, a big I guess a big part of working there also is <laughs> driving driving a big truck around <laughs> 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 taking taking gear in and out of buildings
0: <laughs> did you yeah. so you had to drive the big truck then
1: yep
0: what what did you because i know i've 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 got uh whatever it is my class three license so no oh, okay. I, can't, I can't drive a semi and nor would i fucking want to because those things are crazy what was it like the first time you had to go and drive one of those big box trucks because i know to me they aren't fun and you feel the wind and that thing moves.
1: Yeah, no, they're not fun. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I knew it was something like that's kind of like the baseline of what you have to do. Like if you can't, if you can't drive this truck, you're kind of useless. Yeah. So, cause that's a big part of what this job entails is getting the gear to and from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was just something I knew I would have to do. Uh, I've, like I already knew how to drive standard, which was a big thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You just, you just, you do it once or twice. You get used to it. People usually get out of your way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not going to, they're not going to block your way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm used to it now.
0: And so you started um, kind of on the shop floor, like loading stuff up and then unloading at the venue. Did they also teach you how to, like how to repair Um the various kinds of equipment like mics or monitors or. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, I think it was, I don't know. I was working there for my first couple months and we were testing, testing cables and we have this little cable tester. Basically you plug a cable in on either side and the lights show up to make sure that every wire is co- like correlated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know how I did it. Somehow I ended up, like plugging power into this thing. And it just started like the little LEDs blew up and (laughs) started smoking. Um, And I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. Which is like definitely not a big deal. So I took it. There is another part of the company that does a lot of repairs for other clients. So I kind of took it back there and I was like, I I broke this thing and they're like, okay, we'll just fix it. I was like, "Oh, is that it?" Like huh. they're like, "Yeah, like we'll take it apart, we'll show you like we'll show you what needs replacing and you can like you can solder it." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Huh? Okay." And then I did. <laughs> I mean, that's
0: invaluable especially if you want to be a working touring tech, you know, to be yeah. able to to you got to you got to fix things on the fly and make shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so what what yeah. kind of happens after you get off the uh off the floor when do you start kind of doing more live like actually sound engineering live gigs
1: um they started taking me on like I was not in charge of anything major but they would start taking me on shows like say I remember my first one I think was to the Burt and they said you're not going to mix or anything but just you know hang out we'll show you how we set up the stage and kind of what a typical day at the theater is like. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of started like that. And then, I don't know, you start with small, like smaller shows, maybe it's like a school thing or something. And then, I don't know, slowly you get build up your skills and get more confident and then you start doing bigger shows. (laughs) And
0: so one, one of the things that someone might not know what's the biggest difference between kind of a house technician and a touring technician? And do you, cause you you've done kind of both, I assume, correct? Yes. And what's the biggest, like, is there ever kind of like a butting of heads between the two?
1: Um, yeah, sometimes I guess, but you know, it's a big part of the job to make sure there isn't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, house tech basically is someone that is in, in the theater, like, I'm just going to use the Burt for an example. Um, they're there all the time. They know, they know the gear, they know the rig. Um, they will mix bands that don't have their own techs or shows. Yeah. Shows that come in that don't have a sound person traveling with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then touring tech, you are working for the show and you, you go into a new venue every day within that has a different house tech. Um, and your job is to make the show hopefully sound the same the same as it can in a different room every day.
0: Mhm. And as so you you've been a house tech, correct?
1: Uh yes.
0: And what did you ever have to like mix a band that didn't have their own sound person? And what was uh, yep. like is that is that a tough thing to do? Cuz especially if you're not maybe familiar with their their music or what they want?
1: Um, yeah, I guess it is like, I don't know, you kind of find out what, like, you obviously know what kind of genre they are, Mm. and you just, I don't know, work with that, I guess that's what I would try to do anyways. It's like, okay, you're pop punk, I know what pop punk sounds like. So try and make it sound like that. And you you could ask, like, I always ask them to be like, do you guys have any notes? Like, Mm -hmm. before we get into this, what, like, is there anything I should know?
0: And I mean they're obviously sound checking. So that's where you guys yeah. kind of work out all the the wrinkles and everything.
1: <laughs> well, sometimes well, they sound check, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> they
0: don't. <laughs> Do you find it more stressful when they sound check or when they don't sound check?
1: Uh, when they don't sound check.
0: <laughs> Cuz then you got to adjust on the on the fly and sometimes especially if they're an opening band, they're not going to have, you know, an hour long set to really dial it in.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and sometimes opening bands their sound check time sometimes they don't get a sound check time, yeah. so it's yeah. you do have to do it on the fly um but it's it's always nice if you can have a sound check. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any yeah. kind of favorite genres you like you like to uh to do sound for and uh-huh. any and any maybe you you know that are not that you don't like because I know there's everyone has music they don't like, but maybe that are a little more challenging that you know, you kind of want to stay away from maybe
1: um for stuff that i like i don't know folk fest is usually one of my favorite gigs i like all that folksy acoustic stuff Mm -hmm. um i don't ever really listen to like metal for example so Mm -hmm. i like i know what i know what it sounds like but I, it's not my first choice in mixing. I know other people that could do probably a better, a much better job than I could at mixing something like that. Um,
0: what about stuff like like EDM kind of stuff? Is that is, is that its own kind of monster?
1: I mean, EDM. I I don't know. It's hard to mix EDM mm-hmm. in, in quotations. Like, it's it's usually just tracks, right? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, that to me is like, okay. If, or if it's a DJ playing, it's like, okay, you have your two channels and you put them up and that, there you go. Like you're off.
0: Yeah. Have Have you done a show where like, can you think of a musician that you're, you're mixing them and they really surprised you with at how good they were that you had, had no clue who they were before?
1: Oh, there's been a few, like, that's one of the my favorite parts about this job is that I end up working a lot of shows and seeing a lot of bands that I would maybe not hear about otherwise or like give my time to. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been tons. like like I said, Folkfest is one of my favorites, especially for that. Like I've found so many new bands that I love and listen to to this day that I had never heard of before they were on my stage at Folkfest. so
0: and 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 on the flip side have you ever worked for an artist where they like you you got you got the the gig done and afterwards they kind of like came back and said you know kind of dressed you down and said you don't know what you're doing
1: um i don't i don't think so like i don't know if anyone's ever said like you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. but there's definitely been shows where it's like I remember one, um, I was mixing monitors and after, like, I remember even sitting down, we had to have like a meeting before with the artist Mm -hmm. and management being like, this is what this person needs. And we just wanted to like meet everyone and make sure that like it goes smoothly. It was for, um, for a broadcast show, um, like a live performance for broadcast and, I don't even like, I don't even remember what happened that was bad about it, but afterwards it was just like, yeah, the artist, like the artist wasn't happy, couldn't hear something they wanted to hear. And it was just like a 10 minute performance. It was so fast. Mm -hmm. And after that, I just, yeah, I just heard that this person didn't hear what they needed to hear and it just, I felt like shit. (laughs) Like So.
0: And something again, I, I, I kind of leave this very broad and general for everybody, <clears throat> but they may, people don't know necessarily the difference. Cause I've only had one, I've actually only had Mikey was the only other sound person I think that I've interviewed for this show. Um, what is the difference between monitors and being like front of house audio technician?
1: So front of house audio, you are in that, I call it the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you're mixing what the audience hears Um, monitors. You are by the stage and you are mixing what the band hears. That's, that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) That's the difference.
0: (laughs) Is there one you prefer doing? Do you like being the, the, the one that, you know, controls the, what the audience is hearing or do you prefer being the monitor person?
1: Uh, I like both actually. I, each one has its different set of challenges. Um, I don't know. I like switching it up. I like, going between the two actually.
0: And you can do that now all via, like you can do, um, like front of house with an iPad essentially these days. Can't you?
1: Yeah. Like you still need a console, but you can mm. control the console with an iPad. Yeah.
0: Does that like add any kind of advantage? So you can actually, if it's not necessarily like if it's, even if it's a bigger venue, you can go like, we'll just keep using the Burt. Cause it's probably the highest ish venue that you have or here kind of, um, but then you can go up to like the, the second balcony and sit in the back. And do you ever do that? And like try to get every angle to make sure that you're getting the best sound possible.
1: Yeah. It's uh it's nice. I mean, especially I'm going to use like the arena for example mm-hmm. is just so nice, especially if you've got like, they're called front fill speakers. So basically smaller speakers that sit on the front of the stage on the lip so that, the first couple rows can hear hear things clearly because mm-hmm. usually they're not able to hear the main PA because they're too close. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, that's one of the the best ways to use an iPad is when front of house is all the way at the back of the arena. You can walk up to the front fills and time them so that everything sounds like every everything is hitting the person at the same time. Mm-hmm. Basically, so setting times on setting times on things, um, EQ from where the audience member would actually be hearing it from, not going to listen, having to go back to front of house to make a change, etc.
0: And you can also do do you ever get asked to do both, like do both monitors and front of house sound,
1: uh, like on the same show? Yeah, uh, yes, it's not as common, I feel like, as it used to be that is more so on smaller shows mm-hmm. um, or like like smaller venues that I'd be doing sound in um, around the city, say like the Goodwill, for example mm-hmm. would be monitors in front of house.
0: Because they don't I mean bands at that level aren't you know they can't employ both uh, um, both techs.
1: Yeah, either that or there's like they just don't have the gear. It's like Mm -hmm. there is only one console, so we're doing everything from this one console.
0: And something I I, I found very interesting, and I I love that this um, this is happening. Getting into, I mean, even getting into the music industry is a very male-dominated kind of industry. Just on the on the music side, I think that's turning a leaf right now. And I think it's phenomenal, but getting into doing teching is probably even a bigger male dominated industry. And I see a huge uptick when, you know, live music was happening that more female um, techs are getting into that realm. Did you ever, did you feel that way as well? Like, do you see more female um, people coming in and doing teching?
1: Um, yeah, I like, I mean, in school, I was one of maybe three girls in my class that Mm -hmm. were like learning how to do this. But for me personally, I never felt like, like, yes, it it is male dominated, but I never felt like that was an obstacle or Mm -hmm. anything. I, it's just the way it is. (laughs) Like, I, I don't, I don't know why, but that's, that's just how it is. Um, I've never found it any more difficult or like to get work, I don't think, because mm. I'm a female. I, I don't know, maybe I'm very fortunate that way. I don't like, I feel like I just kind of slid into my little place in, in the city <laughs> and in this industry in the city. And I, I don't know of any other females currently just doing sound in Winnipeg, um, but throughout touring and like watching tours come through, I've been able to meet like a number of other female techs on shows. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of nice to have that kind of network of female techs across Canada. Um, Yeah.
0: And what, what would you say to someone either, either female, male, um, what, what's the, how should they, you know, get into the industry? If they're like, kind of like you were, you were at the KISS show and had the epiphany of like I, I want to make this go. How would you say is the not the easiest way, but a, a good way to start getting into the the behind the scenes kind of
1: um, go to shows, ask questions, <laughs> <laughs> like ask questions, um, ask to volunteer. That's a, like I learned a lot in my volunteer experience. And then when you are confident in your skill set, don't be afraid to ask to get paid to do yeah. it because. You know, it's it's like artists, right? Like we don't want to get paid in experience all the time. No. <laughs> At no. some point, you need to make a living. So, I don't know. That that would be my advice, anyways. As I I, I knew nothing, so it would start off volunteering, and then as my skill set grew and I felt more confident, it would be okay. I need to get paid to do this now because I know what I'm doing.
0: And do you do you still ask questions? Are you not afraid to you know if there's someone that I don't want to say, actually, before I ask that question, is there somebody you look up to that, you know, not that you want to aspire to, but that really inspires you?
1: Um, Any touring tech, really. Like any touring tech on a big show, I just, I anytime I'm doing anything, say at the arena or the Burt, um, yeah, If they're usually I can get a vibe for if that person is like cool with me asking questions mm-hmm. or if they're just like, I'm here to do my job, fuck off. <laughs> um but no, like and mostly everyone that I've come across is like they want to share what they know too. Mm-hmm. So it's I don't know. Yeah, I always ask questions. Can you think I don't of, think that'll ever stop. Can you
0: which is great cuz that's the only way you're going to learn and grow even as a person, not just as a technician, but as as a person. Can you think of one of those instances where you know there was a a touring tech coming through and they did something you kind of like turned your head and you're like, what, what the hell was that? And you asked them and they told you.
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if like anything specific, um, like a specific instance comes to mind, but I feel like that happens on most shows where I'm just like, Oh, what are you like, what are you doing here? And why did you do this? Mm -hmm. And they'll be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this and that and that. And like, Oh, that's cool. Either, Yeah. I like that. And I might try to implement that or, I don't like that. So,
0: <laughs> and have you had someone do that to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, so I always like to ask <clears throat> about touring stories because you've seen a lot of the, the country, the world. Um, so one of my, one of, when I get a chance to talk to behind the scenes folks, one of my favorite things to ask is what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you while you were doing your job? So in your case, while you were, you know, mixing, what's one of the worst things that happened? Oh, geez. It sounds like there's been a lot. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I feel like for for touring experiences, a lot of it has been like trucking issues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The very first tour that I did um, was I was actually driving a five ton truck across the country in January, which is never fun. Nope. Nope. Uh, But yeah, I think it was like my first, it was like definitely within my first week of being on the show and I was driving and we hadn't even made it out of Manitoba and the roads were so icy. Um, I crashed the truck and like didn't flip it completely, but it was on its side and I was just like, oh my God, like that's, I have single-handedly ruined this tour, like day three of me being here, like fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that one was, that one was not good. Um, the show did not happen that night. Um, but we did carry on the next day. Uh, basically they had to, they took the truck back to Brandon, I think, and cross-loaded it into a new truck and yeah, met us in, I don't know, it would have been past Regina. We were supposed to do the show in Regina that night, but it didn't happen. Mm. Um... I don't know. There's been lots of shows we've done where the truck is not like gear is not there on time, or <laughs> there's been weather and the bus doesn't make it there on time, so mm-hmm. we're late. The gear's there, but you know the techs aren't there yet. Um, mixing wise, I ugh, this was a few years ago. I won't say the festival or the band, but I was supposed to be the monitor tech for a festival and the headlining band had requested a specific console because that's, that's what they had their show file. That's what had to be there. I had never used this console before. So I spent like the week before the festival on this desk learning how to use it. Um, this band had a reputation for fire, firing monitor techs almost <laughs> every show or every couple shows. Um, so the day of the show... Um, it turns out that they had asked for the specific desk because their monitor te- their monitor tech knew knew this desk, and that's what the show was on. Um, that day of the show, the tech that came to talk to me said, "Oh yeah, that guy got fired yesterday. I'm this is my first day, and I don't know how to use this desk either." Oh, I was man. like, "Oh my god." Okay, so we brought this desk for this guy that's no longer here. Like i had been doing monitors on it for the past day Mm -hmm. day and a half maybe so it's like okay i i know it enough to like get to do to do a show obviously and so he loaded his file they did sound check saved it and then go to recall the show like everything they had saved at sound check before the show started and only half of what they had done had saved properly so this guy started freaking out saying he's gonna get fired and like swearing and just I don't know he like ran away from the console at one point I don't know where he went (laughs) so meanwhile the band is like what's going on like what's happening and they're waiting for the show to start so me and another tech just like I don't know where like their monitor tech had left so me and this other tech from sound art were (laughs) working together to try and get a a monitor showed like, together for this band so they could hear themselves at least to start the show. Mm-hmm. And we did. <laughs> and the show, like, they started a little bit late, but the show went on, it happened, and... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if anyone in the audience was the wiser other than the show being a couple, like, 10, 15 minutes past when it was supposed to start. But the show did happen. <laughs> and I don't think that guy got fired. I think... I don't know. I think they kept him for another day. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> At least that was one of the more memorable ones anyways. Um,
0: and, and you had mentioned something there about because about loading a file. what what exactly oh, yeah. What exactly is that? Like because I know it's not, you know, if I'm gonna sound like a grandpa here, but even even back in the day, and now even in some smaller venues, I mean, they just have a mixing board that's all like there's no digital. It's just very analog, and you're doing your thing. So, and it even even the smaller venues now are they're a little bit they're a lot more technologically advanced. <clears throat> so, what what exactly are you doing when you're like sound checking, and what is loading a file?
1: So, you can't load a file on an analog desk. Yeah, <laughs> it has yeah. to be has to be digital. Yeah. Um, so. Basically, you sound check. You have all your settings how you want them. Um, you save the show, and you can actually put it on a USB key. And then when it's time to, like, say, five other bands are playing before you, mm-hmm. um, instead of having to re-sound check all over again, you can just load your, load your show file off of your USB key into the desk, and all your settings will come back as you left them at soundcheck.
0: And one thing I love, because I've got a few, peop- few friends that do sound, watching you guys mix is it's kind of funny to me because you you're you're always touching something even if it's moving it a millimeter you're just you know i don't want to say micromanaging (laughs) everything but you're never stopping you know moving it up that millimeter does it actually do anything
1: i mean i like to think it does but
0: (laughs) or is it just a nervous like nervous kind of twitch at that point where you're just Always kind of on your toes, making sure everything sounds perfect.
1: To me, it's like, I don't know, when I'm mixing, I try and go through, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, with, am I happy with the kick drum? Okay, am I happy with the snare? What can I change about the snare? Like, or why is that not, why do I not like the snare sound? And mm-hmm. then I'll kind of go through, like, each instrument individually, and then kind of take myself out of that and be like, okay, now, what What does it sound like as a whole so to me, it's like I'm always cycling through each instrument, which is maybe mm. why I'm always making, like, smaller adjustments. I don't know. Well,
0: and especially, I guess, if the band, like, and it's changing from song to song as well because, you yeah. know, they bring on a new guitar. They they they, they change their tuning. So you've got to be on top of it just as much as, as the bands do.
1: Yeah, and it's also a good way just to, like, keep yourself in the moment. I don't like to sit back too much. Mm. I I don't know. It's it's better for you to like keep busy and keep listening and keep making, even if they're small and the audience can't hear the change, it's just a way for you, for yourself to stay, stay in it.
0: When, when you go to a show now as, as a fan or even just meeting up with um, with friends that are doing sound or lighting or just in the, in the industry and the production side of things, do you like, will you be more critical of a sound when you go into a venue and like, do you, do you try to turn that off and just have fun?
1: Uh, I definitely try to turn it off. It, it depends on the show, I guess. Like if I, if I'm at a show with other people that do sound or do lighting, that's what we usually talk about. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But if I'm just going with friends, I try to shut it off. I'll like, I'll, I'll honestly, if there's not something that's like glaringly wrong, I'm pretty okay at shutting it off Mm -hmm. um i will always look around and like see what gear they're using and if i'm with friends i just (laughs) i don't talk about it anymore because no one cares (laughs) but i'll like i'll make notes in my head and i don't know of stuff that i think is cool or like sounds really good or you know doesn't sound good but i mean
0: especially being in winnipeg where there's only you know a handful of venues and you go to a few different things it's like i'm sure you've been into a venue and was like oh that doesn't sound good I'm gonna maybe file that in the back of my mind that if I get a chance to do this same kind of thing here I'm just not gonna do that
1: yeah yeah kind of I guess
0: (laughs) and um where am I here what are I I, as we talk I just kind of take notes so I can go back to it because you know I, I'm old and I forget things. Um, <laughs> what would be some kind of the uh, the misconceptions about touring that people, because, you know, they think it's this glamorous rock star life, but what, what would be some of those misconceptions you'd want to tell people about?
1: <laughs> uh, that the show is <laughs> like the smallest part of the job. Mm-hmm. I, like the smallest part of the day. It's, I don't know if people think that, you know, we just show up, do a show, and go home. It's it's a full it's a full day's work, like longer than eight hours usually, mm-hmm. depending on the type of show. Um, <laughs> lots of times, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just my luck. I feel like I've done been on a lot of tours where we have maybe had bad weather and we aren't at the venue either. The techs or the gear isn't at the venue at the time we're supposed to be. So you're doing everything way faster way faster and way more rushed than you would normally do it but then you know the show still goes up and the audience usually has no idea what other shit has gone on during mm. the day
0: <laughs> um and so you're you you had been working at sound art and then mm. it was was it this past year
1: um well i like sound art has always been really good at if like as long as you're there for the Busy parts of the season, which yeah. summer and usually festival was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been really great at letting me go if I do get a tour offer to go do that and then come back, um, come back to them, which has been great. Um, so I've been touring for the like on and off for the past three years, going between tours and working for Sound Art, and then I just started a five month what was supposed to be a five month tour at the beginning of March, which obviously got cut short. Mm -hmm. So
0: what was the, the first, um, I guess, big tour that you got offered to go on where you were like, kind of like, holy shit, this is, this is, this is cool.
1: Um, honestly, I, I got, it was, uh, Sorry, I was getting another phone caller. Nope, no problem. <laughs> um, the first one that I thought was really cool, and I have always wanted to tour with bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually started my first two tours were doing theater shows, um, and actually did one called Shopkins, which is like definitely not like a cool rock band like what I really wanted to do right like it's a theater show for children um but it was the first tour where I was actually mixing front of house and going into got to travel on a tour bus all across the states um got to mix at the Dolby Theater in LA which was nice crazy for me um especially at that time um that was the first one where I was just like holy shit I'm on a tour bus like Mm -hmm. This is this is what I wanted this is pretty cool yeah that was the first one and
0: so this um, and also I guess what a lot of people might not realize <clears throat> when you get to work with with work with a like a, a bigger actor or a bigger solo artist how much like interaction do you actually have with the artist on say like a on your average kind of tour uh,
1: I mean it I guess. Okay. You're asking specifically about like bigger names, I guess. Yeah. Uh, depends on your job. It depends, depends on the artist. Like I'd, I'd say each one is different almost. I haven't done a ton of like, I haven't done a ton of touring where it's like super big names or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I've heard stories of people that are really big divas and I've heard stories of people that are just like, want to fucking hang out mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah I, I don't know i think it, it it's it's both <laughs> depending on the situation
0: and i guess you know with this whole i whenever i talk to someone or have a a, a talk with someone a conversation i don't like dwelling on what we're going through right now because it's it's hard on everyone. I don't want to dwell on it. I want to kind of think of, you know, in the future when things get back to a, some semblance of normal. Um, that's what I like to to talk about, not dwell on, but you know, working within this industry, being on the production side of everything, how do you think the industry will have to adapt and change with, with all this stuff going forward?
1: that is the million dollar question. Mm Um, I don't know. I mean, there's been like, there's been those dry, like a few drive-in shows. There's been tons of live streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had lots of people ask me about if I would get into studio stuff. And unfortunately I, I don't, for myself, I don't see that, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, (laughs) I've been a part of some, like, I've tried to kind of stay in the scene a bit watching like webinars and mm-hmm. um, like talking with other people across North America that are all, we're all going through the same thing. And in some places it sounds like they are having like socially distanced shows mm-hmm. and here things seem to be going backwards at the moment. So I, I don't know. I have days when I'm like, yeah, I got to keep my skills sharp and like for when it comes back and there's days where I'm like, get really depressed. Cause I'm like, it's, will it ever come back? Like, will it ever be like it was before? Mm-hmm. So I, I, know I, I, get, I don't know. I don't have an answer, I guess is my answer.
0: I know I get really bummed out now when like, it's, I have a hard time. I don't know if this is with you too, but like watching uh, live streams, it's, it's hard for me to do because I like being in that room. I like that energy. It's the same thing like even watching uh, taped comedy specials. I don't like it because I like to be in that room with that energy. Are you the same kind of way or do you – is it just something you have to do now to like kind of maintain your sanity?
1: Uh, I'm definitely the same way. Like I – that's why I chose live is because I like the energy and I like Mm. the rush and I like the audience and – you know, doing things on the fly. Um, I did, I was big into watching some live streams when this first started. And now I, 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't like watching <laughs> them. Like I'm, I'm very over that part of it. Yeah. Um, if there's, you know, if a band or some, someone that I really want to see is doing one, I'll like, I'll pay the 20 bucks or whatever and I'll watch it, but it's, I don't know. It's depressing in its own way. <laughs> like yeah. I'm glad there's, st- I'm glad they're still able to do something and you know, musicians are still able to play, which is great, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's not live. It's not the same. And I hope it comes back.
0: <laughs> and, and I, and I've got to ask, cause everybody has kind of their, that works in production or an artist of any kind, what would be your like, one of your bucket list, maybe not the top one, but one of your bucket list artists to, to get to work with?
1: Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I was really happy to be working with um, Jesse Reyes, who I was working with before mm-hmm. when this pandemic hit. Um, that was really cool. And I was just re- really happy to be there. That was like the first tour that i had started where i was like i'm really into like everything that's going on on stage and like like musically i was just like yeah. i love hearing all these songs every like every night i'm not i'm i don't think i'll get sick of them the mm-hmm. way I you know maybe did with some of the theater stuff so that was really exciting for me that that was like to me i was just like okay i'm i'm here now i'm like with a band that i like and that, that for me, that was like a bucket list item. <laughs> and,
0: uh, what, what were you doing for, for Jesse? Were you doing, uh, like front of house, were you doing monitors?
1: Uh, for this tour, I was doing monitors.
0: Okay. How did that opportunity kind of present itself? Cause that's huge. Cause she was supposed to be touring, um, a good stretch with Billy, like opening for Billie Eilish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We did two. That was our first two shows. And then we got sent home because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, it was a weird, like, I don't know. I essentially, I got it through John, who I think, you know. um, Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. uh, Red Rover John. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. John, Um, we love you. Yeah. uh, He, uh, he asked me to do, to fill in for doing front of house for her for a show in Squamish, BC in the summer. And. Sound Art was gracious enough to let me go do that, and it went well, I guess. <laughs> um, and her tour manager also ended up filling in for a Sound Art gig. He actually worked for us for Festival de Voyager one year um, with me. He was doing monitors, and I was doing front of house. And then I guess that happened first. So I met I met her tour manager through John because he came to work for us for Festival, because so we need people. Mm-hmm. And then John asked me to fill in at this other festival in the summer, which I did, and then did another show. I guess, yeah, that show went well, so I did another show filling in up for front of house in Toronto for her. And then, and then she started this tour, and her regular sound guy was able to, to do the tour, um, but they wanted a monitor person to travel with them as well. So they asked if I'd be interested in that, and... I obviously said yes. Yeah.
0: And that, what, I mean, I I can't even, I can kind of imagine because I've had something similar happen to me with a photo of mine kind of blowing up. Okay. But, but what was that like conversation? Like, did you like shit your pants and was like, holy crap, like this is, this is, yeah. Why are you even asking? Just say, yeah, yeah, yes. We'll do <laughs> yeah. this
1: yeah exactly i was like just whatever you need me to do to like get me there i will i will do it like i, I yeah
0: and so what were so, those you said you only got two shows in what were those first two yeah. shows like like that must have been on a scale of nothing you've you've done before i'm sure other than Folkfest, which is huge but this is a different kind of huge
1: it was it was like i was anxious all day for sure mm-hmm. i I mean I usually get anxious before shows anyways but it's just like I I just tell people I said that the first day was it was a bit of a blur like we were op- we were opening on these shows so it was all of our stuff was ha- had to happen like pretty quickly where it was mm-hmm. like okay we get like 5 minutes of sound check and then like we we have to get off the stage um but yeah, I don't know. It was, I would say a blur, but it I was really looking forward to finishing that. <laughs> yeah,
0: no doubt. Because, like, I mean, Billie Eilish was, is, was, is, like, huge. Like, the, yeah. the shows must have been, <laughs> I mean, obviously sold out and packed. And, you know, getting to see, I'm sure getting to see her production firsthand was probably even maybe better than, seeing her perform seeing you know the professionalism that goes on not that you guys aren't professional at all but you know seeing something at that level working
1: yeah it was neat like the the first day they like yeah we got introduced to all of their crew and everyone was just so nice and so chill and mm-hmm. um we were obviously the first couple shows on a tour you're still trying to figure your shit out and yeah <laughs> how things are going to run, how you're going to do your load in and load out and how it's all going to go smoothly. So it's too bad. We didn't get past those first couple shows. Cause I would have liked to, you know, talk, t- talk to them more as yeah. well. Like, um, but that just didn't end up happening. So,
0: well, hopefully, hopefully in the future, you know, that happens or something along those lines will happen. And they will because, um, I I I like to be optimistic about it. I hope there'll be some semblance of normal going back again cuz oh cuz we fucking need it goddammit. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound so
0: defeated. Jeez, come on now. Oh, I'm sorry. I no.
1: I have I have good days, I have bad days and uh it's, yeah, everything in between. So. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's fair. I I mean, I'm it's, I got through the summer okay, had enough like a month and a half of weddings-ish before we shit the bed here again. And now it's like it's like I'm stuck in the mud and I'm just spinning my wheels waiting for you know that two by four to get thrown under the wheel so I can keep moving forward. And it's just very annoying. And you guys yeah. have been that way since the spring, so I can't even fathom what you've been, you guys have been going through.
1: Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> days where I'm like, yeah, it is, like, it's going to be back and it's going to be great. And days where I'm like, is it? Kind of <laughs> like, I don't know. It's been a weird, like, identity crisis almost. It's mm-hmm. where you go from doing so many shows all the time, it seems like, to having way too much time with your own thoughts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: So, I don't know. It's trying to, for me right now, it's trying to figure out. If I'm not doing shows, what else do I want to do? That's not a show. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like I can't take live photos, of, of of concerts and shows. What what else do I like to take? Nature? No, no. I'm, I'm good with not going outside. It's it's getting cold here. I'm I'm good with not doing that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Maddie, I want to thank you for talking to me. Um, it's been great. I, I, I really miss, I think for me personally, I don't know about you, but it's been the hardest thing is, is not being able to see those folks that I get to see at shows. Like I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people, but you know, you've got your show friends that you kind of see at live events. And it's been for me, the hardest thing, not seeing folks like yourself at, in at like the Burt or just out and about, like it's, it's that's for me has been the hardest thing.
1: Yeah. I I agree. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I haven't, there's some people that I haven't seen since March. Like mm-hmm. just because that's where I see them as at shows. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, it's strange. <laughs>
0: well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me and hopefully we'll get to, you know, I, April does your hair. I hear about when Maddie <laughs> comes in and that's, I'm like, cool. How's she good? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) So hopefully Uh, we get to see each other sooner than later. And yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully things will get better before they get shitty again. Shitty. Yeah.
1: I hope so too. Well, yeah. And geez, thanks for having me. It feels nice to talk about some of this stuff.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks Maddie.
1: Okay. You're welcome.
0: Well, there you go. There's my conversation with Maddie. Big thank you to her for taking the time to, to talk to me. I know right now it sucks for a lot of the folks and artists and just everybody generally to there's nothing happening. Uh, people that depend on their livelihood for touring are are in a huge state of limbo right now. So, you know, I realize there's not a lot going on, but I really appreciate when anyone takes the time to talk to me and it was great to talk to Maddie. I haven't seen her in a long time. She's one of those folks that, you know, I only really get to see at, at shows and since that hasn't happened too much, I haven't got to see her in a while. So big thank you to Maddie. It was great learning about, you know, how you got into audio teching, why you chose doing live sound over, you know, sitting in a studio. And I completely agree with you when, on the fact that like, to me, sitting in a studio would be very tedious. It's not as fun as everybody expects it to be. Um, And having just that that energy around you and, you know, mixing on the fly and doing stuff. And, you know, it's great to know that, when you move that little, little slider, that microscopic thing inch that, you know, you're doing something kind of sort of sure whatever. Um, but yeah, thank you to Maddie for taking the time to talk to me. Also again, big thank you to the WPGA, WPGA. That's not right. The WPG, although maybe there's a B and A there, but big thank you to the WPG for, you know, bring me into the fold, uh, putting me on part of their podcast network, uh, adding me to the family. Sure. All those things. So big, thank you to them. Head over to the WPG.ca. I think that's where I got it from the WPG.ca, uh, to check out all their great local content, great local, um, artists. Uh, they do album reviews, you know, like I said, off the top, hopefully at some point, the event, uh, page will be blowing up, uh, pointing you in a lot of great local directions. Uh, like I always say, I maybe haven't said it on a couple of podcasts, but you know, you get it support local because if you don't support local, local won't support us. So big thank you to those folks for bringing me in and yeah, I hope everybody, we, we don't have any music. Maddie does sound for music live events. So we, you know, maybe we can convince her to sing, but I doubt it. But So no music at this one. So yeah, I hope everyone's staying safe, staying sane, you know, enjoying what we can right now. Thanks, guys.